Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Oh, say Engaged in the political process. Honest. You, my friend, are part of the problem and not the solution. Compassion. The church needs to rise. Rise. The Monica Matthews Show. Welcome back to the Monica Matthews Show. Life, love, and liberty. It's another day in the jungle of Kabuki Theater. <laughs> oh my goodness. I've actually laughed quite a bit today. The word says that God will scatter his enemies and he mocks his enemies and he laughs at his enemies because he has conquered all once jesus christ descended down into hell it was over it was done that was it of course we still see the battle working out here daily don't blame me turn on your evening news however it's not reason to give up it is not reason to stay angry or wrathful or vengeful or envious and jealous sad disappointed depressed suicidal there's no reason for any of that none whatsoever christ has overcome the world it is finished There are battles waging in the heavenlies, Ephesians 6 and 12. We are called to occupy this territory as children of light, of love, of a sound mind, and of power. The world's idea of power is always going to be violence. Always. It will always include oppression and violence because that is the world's system. But we are not called to be part of the world's system if we accept the high calling of being the children of the Most High God through the mercy seat of Jesus Christ. We are not called to violence. Now, I do know that Ecclesiastes talks about there's a time for everything under heaven. I know the Old Testament is filled with battles. I understand that. I love veterans. I understand that, you know, sometimes you're responding to the call to action of someone else, someone else's dastardly deeds and oppression. And, you know, I just, I, I just wish that we would actually, you know, rush the borders of, of African countries where people are legitimately suffering through genocide of every possible affliction. You know, I, I, I imagine one day, I mean, to the extent that we do over oil, right? To the extent that we create wars, around the world, that evil, wicked men and women create war around the world. It's not just our country, but we've certainly been involved with our share, and you cannot deny it. You can. We are, after all, living in an age of great delusion, grand delusion, and calling that which is evil good and good evil, and it's up is down, and females male, and males them, and she, and we us, who, legion, whatever, 
we do live in crazy times. But the world really hasn't changed. I mean, some of you are like, oh, it's so bad. It's worse than it was in Sodom and Gomorrah. I'm like, well, no, not really. Not really. Not when judging through the lens of an all holy and perfect and loving and just God. Not really. Some of you are still stuck on the fact that you think Sodom and Gomorrah was taken out because of homosexuality because that's just where you get stuck. That is just the unforgivable sin of all uh, unforgivable sins because it is an abomination unto the Lord. That's how you, that's where you stop. That's, that's where you begin and end in your theology. For some reason, that's your moral high ground. Like that's just where your faith in Jesus rests. That's the hill on which you are prepared to die. I don't know why. I don't know if you really are phobic or if you just think it's gross. You know, who knows? I I mean, I've heard everything. Or if it's just unnatural and so it's uncomfortable for you or maybe, you know, I, I don't know. So you use Sodom and Gomorrah to demonize homosexual people. But can I tell you something? The grave sin of Sodom and Gomorrah was not only the level of debauchery, in which they were living, it was their violence. It's right there in the word. It was in their violence. Their violence was an abomination unto the Lord. And he had so much mercy, right? He kept saying, man, if you can just find 50, okay, fine. How about 20? Up, oh, can't do that. Oh, 10, 10 righteous people. If you just find 10, couldn't even find 10 people. How about one? I'll spare every one of them. I mean, God's mercies are endless, man. Like, well, every morning, new mercies, right? Couldn't find them. God's like, all right, I'm done. Get your get your incestuous daughters and hit the road, and your wife who's going to turn into a pillar of table salt and hit the road. And they did. And he spared his family, I always found that story really interesting, right? Like, why did he spare Lot? Knowing, I mean, it's not like his daughter seducing him came as a giant surprise to God, who is the beginning and the end, and knows the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end, the Alpha and Omega, right? But read that story. It's kind of like, oh, yikes, all right. I didn't realize Alabama was listed in the Old Testament. I'm kidding, I love my Alabamians, and I'm not going to say Roll Tide because I'm a dog girl. But think about that. All kinds of stuff. Like some of you are so scared of your Bibles, and I just want to encourage you. I just want to, you know, I just want to um, extract the oxygen out of that fear for you. It is the greatest story ever told, for real. It is such a novel and if, and if you could just get past the barrier of, well, I don't understand all those these and thous. I don't know why I automatically go to a Southern accent whenever it comes to people, you know, probably because I'm Southern. But I get it. It can be intimidating. But there's so, here's the thing, though, I was about to say, there's so many different translations of your Bibles, but please be wary, be careful of that. Do you know the NIV doesn't even mention Lucifer's fall? That's a problem. That is literally a theological problem. 
that's a crisis. That's not even a problem. That's a theological crisis. Because if if Lucifer never, if he was never expelled after the first political campaign, by the way, and brought a third of the voters with him, right? If that never happened, and we don't really have an enemy of our souls, then what was the point in Jesus Christ? If he didn't really, you know, fall to earth and bring death with him and every manner of possible destruction with him, what are we, what are we doing? Who, who are we being, who and what are we being saved from? Eternal death with whom? These are super simple questions, right? Simple truths, simple questions. I'm learning a lot from um, my time with Mr. Attorney, Mr. Attorney Man. <laughs> there, that, that needs to be his new name on my show, Mr. Attorney Man. Um, seriously, simple truths. If it, if it, you know, use your common sense. If it makes sense, there's probably, you know, it makes sense. If it doesn't make sense, because it's not going to make sense. We've lost our ability to reason with common sense. We are so wrapped up in our emotions. We've been so manipulated and abused by really narrative geniuses. I'm not going to lie. I mean, part of what I do is, and, and not even because I have some great degree in it. I don't. I would be considered an unlearned person in the Bible, which is, you know, exactly who hung out with the Lord and spread his, spread his word. They were entrusted with the king, with the keys of the kingdom, the simplicity of the gospel. I don't have a degree hanging from my wall. I have a degree of life. I am only an expert. I'm, I'm an expert only, rather, in my life. I've said that since the day I got on the air because, you know, full disclosure, I struggled being surrounded by so many super, who I thought, were super smart people, you know, who understood academically, theologically, things of the Bible or things of the political landscape. And the Lord was so gracious with me, taking me actually through hell, <laughs> thanks God, um, in a number of ways. And for those of you who have followed me for a while, you know my story and how I ended up in ministry. And it was a really hard road. But my gifts emerged during that season my understanding expanded and I surrendered everything. I had nothing left to hold on to. My daughter was seemingly dying. My husband had died. I mean, it was a mess. It was a mess. I was a mess. My life was a mess. It was, it was messy. It was filled with spiritual warfare that I didn't understand. I didn't know what was going on. And he was like, well, I'm going to show you. And he did. And it was really scary. I'm not going to lie. It was. It was about as scary as what you all are seeing unfold in the world right now. And you are scared. You're, ter- you're terrified. You don't know really what's happening. And with every curtain that pulls back, you go, oh, my gosh, there's no way that could be true. There's no way we do this to our own children. Well, yeah, actually, we do. Sure, we abort our babies, God's creation, at birth. Yes, that happens. Yes, it does. It is possible. 
And yes, you should see the pictures so that you understand. Let that imprint into your psyche so that whenever you're tempted to go along with moderate conservatives, moderate Republicans, they're not rhinos. They're not conservatives. They're ungodly. When you're tempted to go along with that mantra and to take God out of politics because you think that'll actually work, then you can remember the picture of the baby that has been dismembered at birth, otherwise known as murder in most decent and godly circles, right? But not on the political landscape. Nope. That's not allowed. Because your God is not allowed. And And I dare say, I think God is showing us that that's probably not the most expedient way to go. You can call me a religious fruit loop, a holy roller, a religious freak, a Jesus freak. None of that bothers me. I'm dealing with real-time issues with real flesh and blood people right now on a battlefield triaging people of every persuasion, every wind of doctrine, every creed, every ethnicity. It is a battlefield out here, I'm telling you. And do you think people care what color Jesus is or whether or not Joe Biden's an actual Democrat or a communist? Do you think they care about that right now? No. The person who can't pay their mortgage, the person who doesn't have a job, the person whose unemployment ran out, the person whose spouse just ran out, the person whose spouse is beating them. The person whose kids won't talk to them anymore. Or the kids or neighbors have turned them in for going to, they happen to be in the D.C. vicinity. They weren't even at the Capitol. But, oh, I saw them posting stuff about Trump for the past four years, and this is my turn. Yeah. Real world triage. People's lives have exploded. And I'm telling you now, you guys think people on the left are laughing, and they're not. They're hurting like the rest of us. There are Democrats who cannot afford their insulin. Do you understand that? There are Democrats who see what's going on right now, and they think to themselves, this is, something's not right. And my world is still imploding, but gosh, I've been I've been brainwashed to believe that the mask is going to save me. Just six feet away, maybe I should put on two masks. Yeah, that makes sense. Maybe I just maybe I should just suffocate myself, and and then that'll solve all of the problems, vaccines and all. Then we can save more trees. I mean, what? People have been brainwashed, and it's very easy to do. And I'm going to tell you why. Because you don't know the truth. And I can't say that as an indictment because as someone who has studied the truth, who has accepted the truth into my marrow, it is still a battle. And I mean an epic battle. Even, listen, y'all might judge the disciples for leaving Jesus, right? You'll notice the women were in the garden, but the guys were. Mm -hmm. And he was like, hey, can you guys just stay awake? Everybody crashed, passed out, gone, except for Judas. He scurried off, and he did what he needed to do. And Jesus was like, oh, Father, if you could just let this pass. 
just let it pass. And he's tempted on every side, man. Just the, can you imagine the voice of the devil? I love the passion movie, Mel Gibson's movie. My album actually features the world flautist from that soundtrack. As soon as I heard it, I was like, oh, I got to have that because I was doing my first album, which was all Greek. Well, with the exception of two or three tracks, but um, liturgical music. And I had to have that because it was just perfect. And in that scene where he's on his knees, it's like the serpent coming in different forms to tempt him, right? That's what he does to all of us. But most of us are not like, "Mm, I have to get on the cross and take the sins of the entire world onto my body and into my soul and be separated from the only love I've ever known. That had to be hard. Of course, he was sweating as drops of blood. Some of you are sitting at home scared to death. The FBI is going to show up at your door because of your Facebook posts. Y'all are sweating bullets. No pun intended, but you're sweating. I mean, you're scared. You're terrorized about what could happen next in the country. Oh, gosh. What kind of memes did I create? I mean, we are literally looking at a young man who could spend 10 years in a federal prison over memes that he created. Now, I don't know the whole story. I don't know everything else that he might be involved in. I have no idea. And I'm going to talk about something of that nature in just a minute. But I can tell you, um, that's if that's the only thing that he's done, that's wrong. And it does instill fear. And you know what? It's meant to instill fear, to silence you. So, yeah, those are the decisions we're left with, comparatively speaking, to Christ. So I'd say he had a much tougher road to hoe, and he did it. He struggled with it. He went through the temptation of backing out because, remember, he was tempted at every turn that we are. The entire human condition, he was tempted at every point. So when we are tempted to think, well, Jesus just doesn't understand, that's a lie. So why are we so susceptible to lies? Because we don't know the truth. It's really that simple. It's That is a simple truth. You are susceptible to lies When you don't know the truth, and I'm here to tell you, even knowing the truth, you're still susceptible at accepting a lie. Because a lot of that depends on your background, your upbringing, what you think about yourself, others, generational, you know, neurological synapses. I mean, there's all kinds of your entire DNA structure, you know, all the things that we carry. Some of you feel things you don't know why you haven't even experienced it. You're like, golly, why do I struggle with this? There's a genetic pattern. There's a there's a spiritual pattern. There's a spiritual bloodline that can come down to you that you've had nothing to do with. And there's something you fear. Or there's a certain pattern of anger. Or, you know, maybe it's lust or uh, gambling or an addiction, you know, whatever. And you have no idea where that comes from. No one else in your family struggles with it. You're like, you know, why am I the lucky? Why am I the lucky one? Well, there are many different reasons that, that can be manifesting in your life, but the cross has made a way for all of it to be remedied. 
So if you don't want to be susceptible to lies and you're ready to grow up and step up into your humanity and take responsibility for what you accept into your psyche, into your soul as a God-breathed human being having a very human experience here as a spiritual being. Remember, we worship God not in skinny jeans and smoke machines. We worship God in spirit and truth. So if you've been born again of the spirit and you don't know the truth, you're kind of half-assing it. And that's dangerous. It's dangerous to your mental health, your physical health for sure, your spiritual health. And it's entirely unnecessary. It is avoidable. I want to pivot and talk about abuse for a moment. I've, I've received uh, some emails and, it, you know, people want to talk about real, real life stuff. I, I've been embroiled in, in, in all of this, you know, election stuff and things that are still going on and things that started back in November, November 4th, actually. Um, you know, and I'm just here fielding all kinds of information as kind of my own, you know, checkpoint of, okay, what's real? What's not? What do I tell you guys? What don't, you know, what, yeah, what, what's misinformation? What's disinformation? You know, I, I take my role um, as a curator of truth very seriously. So I don't want to espouse lies or misinformation or certainly not disinformation to you guys. Abuse. So life, love, and liberty, they all go hand in hand. But there's some people who are living through abuse right now. And I imagine many times the question is, what do I do? How do I, how do I escape this? That is, boy, it's worth so much more than a five or 10 minute segment on my podcast. Your life is worth more than five or 10 minutes on my podcast, but I'm going to try to plant some seeds here because nationally we've all been abused. Spiritually, we've for sure suffered abuse and and we'll continue to do so um, until we plant our flag in the ground of truth that says, this is my banner and I'm not moving. And that thing's going to blow and he's going to huff and puff and try to blow your flag down and the winds are going to come and the earth is going to shake. And if you're on the sand, good luck. Been there several seasons of my life. I can go through the sandy, I can go through a sandy bottom in a day, (laughs) in any given moment where I'm like, whoop, 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 quick sand of life. But ultimately, thank God, his word is in my marrow, man. I'm telling you, it's in my blood to my bones. And so ultimately it's, it's him. He, his word rises up inside of me and reminds me of truth because that's what he does. Cause he's a good father. I know some of my scholarly friends listen to me and think I'm just a, you know, Alex Jones of Christianity. Ugh, <laughs> what a mess! But I'm really not. I'm not. I'm not a scholar. I'm not a theologian. I'm a about to be 50-year-old widow with one amazing little person that I was entrusted to raise in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. 
And I've done that. And I did a really crappy job some seasons and I did an amazing job other seasons. I've come through four lifetimes of abuse, confusion, darkness. My own, you know, it's my own stuff. So what? You've come through it too. If you're still here and you're listening to my voice, you've come through something. So praise God that you're still here to hear my voice. That you're still here to hear from him. Way more importantly than hearing my voice, but hopefully you hear him through my voice. There's a whole lot of me in there some days. I'm just going to warn you. I miss sassy brass, sassy, sassy pants over here. But I, I don't ever want to misrepresent the kingdom of God. So I may not be a theologian. I'm not a historian. I don't know when so-and-so conquered what and why they wrote this book and what they didn't do that. But I'm here to tell you there is something that happened to me when I consumed the words on a page that led me to life and life more abundantly and self-forgiveness and forgiveness of others and acceptance of myself and acceptance of God's um, debt that my debt that God paid for through his son. That is so simple. I don't need to know when so-and-so conquered whom and all that. All that stuff is fascinating, but it really has no bearing on my ability to sit here on these airwaves and tell you with without doubt that I believe that God loves you. God is for you. God forgives you. God has standards. God has consequences built into life. God is a God of precepts. There are conditions on things, but ultimately, God is love. But God does have standards. And he has standards because those guardrails are there to protect us because he loves us. That's what I believe. And I believe that because of what I've heard. My faith has come from hearing and by hearing the word of God. It's really simple. And because of what I've lived. Oh my gosh, because of what I've lived through. I can't deny his faithfulness. I can't. I've gone through seasons where I did and I made the dumbest decisions of my life. I just did. I made really childish, selfish, rebellious choices. And they're costly. Thankfully, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't shame me through them. And and I don't, my gosh, if I had to pay the consequences for every one of my sins, I wouldn't be here. He co- Love covers a multitude of sins. Now, back to those of you who are going through, divorce, uh, through abuse. I, I want to make this very clear. If you are suffering physical abuse, please get yourself into a safe place. Listen to me when I tell you, if you've had a pastor or a minister tell you that is the will of God because God hates divorce, that you stay in an abusive situation, you need a new pastor. Your pastor is lying to you. He is taking scripture or she out of context. There is no way in two hells 
that our father would ever stand for you being physically abused. And any kind of abuse for that matter. But physical abuse or your children being physically abused, you must get yourself to safety. That is first thing. If you have to develop a plan, develop a plan. There are organizations out there that Wellspring comes to mind here in the city of Atlanta. I'm sure if you're out of state, you can still call. They have enormous amounts of resources, safe houses. You're okay to leave. I think someone needs to hear that. It's okay to leave. It is godly for you to take care of your life. I think that's as much as I'm supposed to touch on that. I'm I'm not going to psychoanalyze people who abuse. I could spiritually analyze it and tell you tell you a lot, not everything about how people come to that demonic conclusion that that's just how they're going to manifest Satan in the earth is to physically abuse you or mentally and emotionally whatever. I mean all of it's just all of all manipulation is demonic. It's all of witchcraft. So if you are a manipulator, knock it off. Recognize why you do it. If it's because you fear lack or you don't feel like you have worth, get in the Bible and find those things for yourself. He's sitting there knocking, waiting on you to open the word and discover your worth. He's got, he's got the answers. But manipulation is of the devil. It's absolute witchcraft. And I'm not talking about someone who's skillful at um, at bringing people to their own conclusions. Because uh, there are many times in ministry where I would sit across from someone and I had, yeah, I'll never forget this. This is pretty powerful. You'll enjoy this. So in the ministry I was involved in, you know, we, at, the, at the end of the week, it would culminate in a time of ministry, right, where you're sitting across from people and, and they've been, oof, They've been going through a spiritual crucible like all week long. And I, as I understand it, the ministry has um, has changed and altered and um, evolved in a number of, of ways. I, I'm no longer a part of that ministry and haven't been in, gosh, many years. Um, but it, it trained me in many things, not the least of which is getting out of God's way <laughs> and realizing that I'm not your Holy Spirit. As much as much as I was like, you know, I just want to do this for the Lord, and I want to show up and fight people's devils with them and help set the captives free. And he's like, yeah, yeah, okay, thanks, Monica. Thanks for showing up, but, you know, because you just, like, take a break for a minute because I've got something that I, I need to share with this person, and just breathe, just breathe, all right? So I'm in, I'm, I'm in this ministry session, and this lady is there. She's from out of the country because people would come from all over the world, and and they were a lot of them were really sick because they were studying spiritual roots of diseases. Okay, and in this particular ministry, it's discovered that over eighty percent of physical maladies of diseases, um, some uh, syndromes, all of that stuff, uh, symptoms uh, are rooted in some form of spiritual brokenness. There's a fracture there in the spirit of the person, and um. So this lady comes and she's had like 
I don't, I don't even remember what her malady was, what the issue was, but she spent all week, you know, in the word, um, you know, we, we didn't push people out of wheelchairs and stuff and lay hands on people and push them over and that, that none of that, none of that stuff, whatever that stuff is about. That was not us. That's not me. I feel like it's unnecessary, but you know, if that's how the Holy Spirit chooses to manifest, go for it. But that wasn't us. And so we had very strict boundaries with people, physical boundaries, emotional, psychological, spiritual boundaries, right? It was very important to preserve the individual and their autonomy and their ability to commune with their creator themselves without interference. So all week, people are going through this crucible of discovery by virtue of the word. And and people come to revelations, man, about, you know, oh my gosh, no wonder I keep doing this because my mom was poor and we could never afford food. And I swore that I would never be poor. So what do I do? I work myself to death. I don't ever see my family and I've got, you know, congestive heart failure and I'm tired and I've got MS on top of that. I mean, there's any number of, you know, connections you can make with people's health and in how they got there. And their belief system. Jesus says, as a man thinketh, so is he. Your body follows your thoughts. I mean, that's how we're wired. That's not like some big revelation. Maybe it is for you, but, and that's great. And maybe, and maybe that'll help set you free moving forward. You can start the search, but it's really simple stuff. So junk in, junk in through your ear gates, your eye gates, junk stays in, junk has an effect on your body. And then junk back out, and you vomit it on other people around you. It's really simple stuff. So this lady sits across from me, and she's having a really difficult time. And I, you know, she had like issues with her father. Um, she had had she had come to a place where she was taking care of her father, and and there was something there about a mother. I I could not I could not put my finger on it. Like she had she was her mother. I think had been diagnosed with a mental illness. She couldn't be there uh, for her mom. Well, the mother couldn't be there for her, so the daughter ultimately ends up taking, you know, um, a role in the family that was never meant for a young person to take. And she has the weight of the world on her shoulders, and so naturally, over time, her body manifests having the weight of the world on her shoulders. So she starts digging, and the Lord starts showing up and showing her where she's been out of order and where she has not allowed him to pick up her cross and walk with her or others. And forgiveness was at the root of what was holding her feet to this, it was like the super glue to hell. It was unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment. And that's a strong man in the spirit realm. So with that, you know, we dealt with the father's love and, and forgiveness. And, you know, she confessed certain things and then asked, you know, for forgiveness and she received her forgiveness, not for me, clearly from the Lord. Um, You know, it's a beautiful thing, but, but there was just something that some, she just didn't feel completely free of something. And, you know, we went through it and it was academic and it was clinical and, and, and well, not in the traditional sense of clinical, but, but you understand, um, cause it was a ministry. I'm not a counselor. And so she, uh, I'm sitting there just kind of like, okay, what the heck? So she leaves ministry. I go sit outside and I'm praying and I'm just like, man, something just feels undone. Something's just not completed. And I pray about it and I get quiet and I get with the father and I'm like, what did I miss? Cause I just kept, you know, going round and round. 
And ultimately, he gives me this revelation, and he asks me to ask her a simple question. So I have to go back through my chain of command and my pastors and ministry. And, you know, something you don't do after ministry is open the books back up and say, hey, by the way, I think we forgot to cover this. You, know, you just don't do that. It's, 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 it's disorderly. But I really felt compelled. And so I, I didn't run out and try to find the lady and say, hey, by the way, I think you might want to know. Because when you're in ministry, you're in a safe place. You're in order. And it's, you know, there are boundaries around that. So I go and I find my my um, my pastors and I'm like, hey, I really feel strongly about this. And if you say no, I'll adhere to that. That's fine. Um but, and, and I know God's big enough to be able to contend with whatever he needs to heal in her heart or she's seeking for healing outside of here. But I really feel strongly. So they gave me permission and I went to find her. And she comes back. She sits across from me. And I said, the Lord asked me and just, just laid on my heart to ask you about forgiving your mother. And has anyone ever said the mother's love prayer with you and she literally falls apart she just crumbles she just crumbles and she finally broke in a good way you know we're not there to break people it's not our job to do that but she finally let the tears fall she finally just let it go she didn't even know what was holding her captive she had no idea, but he did. I had no idea. And I'm trained to ask certain questions and listen and listen some more so I know what other questions to ask, right? And I and I I pray and I am plugged in to the same Holy Spirit that anyone with the Holy Spirit has access to. But I was trying in my own strength to figure out what was going on because I was just bound. I mean, I was just bent on helping set my sister free. And God's like, hmm. I appreciate your heart, kiddo, but this one's on me. And they're all on me because I know my children. And you know what the moral of that story was? I used to pride myself and I would say very proudly, not arrogantly, but just kind of like, well, you know, I just have this gift where I know what's in people's hearts. <laughs> So dumb and just dumb. And the Lord was like, oh, yeah, well, hold my wine because, you know, I know what's in my children's hearts and and you don't. And I'm going to show you. I'm going to prove it to you. So when the word says, you know, your heart is wicked above all things and, and deceptive. Remember, we did a word study the other night about the heart in the Old Testament is in Hebrew is the mind. Think about that. Also says that, you know, it grieved God that he made man because every thought, every intention and every thought of his mind and heart were wicked. It was toward, it was a bend toward violence, oppression, violent words. Words do hurt, by the way. You have the power of life and death in your tongue. That's pretty big. You know, that's not just a little spiritual biblical colloquialism. It's true. Look around. Look at the world. The world is finally a manifestation of every word we've uttered. Think about that.
So there's my story. I'm sticking to it about how the Lord dealt with me when I thought I just knew what was in people's hearts. <laughs> That's why psychology on some level is just, I can appreciate it to an extent on an, on another level. I'm like, shut up. Your little block blotch tests and you know, all this stuff and you know, trying to read people's, the Scientologists of psychology world, right? Let's hook them up to a device and read their thoughts and watch as soon you know, the lie detectors of the world. You know, we're going to hook you up to this device and we're going to plant a thought in your head and you're going to see a visual of it. And then if you think about what I just told you, up, oh, it means you're guilty. I mean, weird, like weird. And listen, I science, all right, fine, science schmance. But when it comes down to the intent of someone's heart, Sure, maybe they did it, but you can't know the intentions of someone's heart. Only God can reveal that. So when it comes to abusive people, if you are in an abusive relationship, please stop trying to analyze that person and fix them and stop believing that God's going to use you to save them. While they're kicking your butt all over the house, that is not proper theology. Get to safety. There's my word on abuse. Speaking of abuse, I'm going to leave you with this. Remember I told you in another broadcast that I couldn't remember um, the movie. Matter of fact, I was on um, His Word with Pastor Dave, which was so much fun. And thank you all for your amazing feedback on that. That was great. I love that. I love talking about politics and faith because they obviously go hand in hand, or they should. I love it. I love the fact that the Lord entrusted me with this platform five years ago and people thought I was nuts. They did. They legit thought I was just crazy. But my producer believed in me like nobody's business, and he probably thought I was a little crazy too at the time. But he couldn't talk about things like this on the air, and he was just mesmerized by my ability to connect dots between the spirit realm and what's happening here. And for me, it was just like, well, duh, I can't see it. I cannot separate them. It's impossible. I cannot separate any aspect of my life from the spirit realm. I just can't. I, I, I can't do it if I wanted to. I don't believe in coincidence. So I, it's just that much a part of my marrow. And so for me, being a political consultant, it just, and a campaign manager over time, I mean, it's just writing speeches for all these politicians and judges and whatnot. I mean, I, so for me, it's like, I get it. You're dealing with the human heart. You're dealing with the human condition. If you're dealing with crime, you're dealing with the human condition. If you're dealing with thought police, you're dealing with the human condition. If you're dealing with inflation, you're dealing with the human condition. If you're dealing with abortion, 60% babies born on Medicaid in Georgia, you're dealing with the human condition in the spirit realm. Dealing with, you know, murders, suicides, education, lack thereof, lack of interest in civics. You're dealing with a human condition that I believe begins in a, in a spiritual condition, a spiritual um, illness, disconnect apathy. If you're spiritually apathetic, you're going to be politically mm, derelict. Because I don't believe that our founding fathers 
as human men had the wherewithal to have a bend toward liberty to the extent that they did without God's impression upon their heart and mind. I do not believe that those things are mutually exclusive. I I will never believe that. So you will often hear me refer to our founding fathers and the author of Liberty um, working together. And yeah, I know, we've had many atrocities in our country as a nation, as a young nation, I might remind you. Um, But that's part of the human condition, the fallen human condition, certainly not how God saw us from the foundations of the earth. When he made us, he said, it is good. Remember? He said that you were good. And through Christ, we've been reconciled to be good again. That's a beautiful thing that's so simple. It's really hard for a lot of us to accept because we've been feeding on lies our entire lives, but I remember the name of the movie. I was looking it up today. I was like, God, what is that line? It talks about their love killed them. Their, 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 what was it? Their love. He uses their love against, he used their love against them. Oh my gosh. Do you know what it was? I'm going to try not to cry. So it was the Green Mile. It was John Coffey only spelled different. And remember, he was a sin eater. Remember that? He would take in other people's sins, and then, and that's a whole other, that's, that to me is like, that is occultic stuff. I get it. And it's kind of like, oh, look. You know, some people would call it empathetic, but he was a little bit more than an empath. Come on now. He would eat people's sins and then choke to death and spin them out into butterflies or whatever that was, ashes, I don't know. They were transformed because he took them in. Well, that's, uh uh-uh. no. That's like the shamanism stuff. I'm not trying to shame you shamans. Ah, get that. But I'm saying that I believe that's occultic. There's only one person who took my sin, and it is not John Coffey. (laughs) It's not you. And it's not my priest. And it's not my pastor. It's Jesus. He took and he bore my sin. So, but I love the movie. I love the movie because I love movies. Movies minister to me. But in this movie, he's talking about the two little girls who that psychopath um, who finally got his, who was like, who stomped on that little mouse, right? Remember the psycho that was just crazy? He comes in and I'm trying to remember. I mean, he's a very famous actor. I can't remember all the movies he's been in, but he like swinging like an ape from the cages and, and he's like, um, you know, he starts talking trash about how he killed these two little girls. And this is how John Coffey ends up in prison because he found the two little girls. They were there. I think they were twins and they were dead. And he was found in the field, holding them crying, crying to the heavens. He was screaming. And you don't see all of this at first in the movie. And this is a huge spoiler alert for those of you who haven't seen it, but it's so worth it. And he says, and he's reliving what happened to these babies. And this psycho had taken them out and, you know, probably accosted them and raped them. And they were very little. And then he murdered them in the field. And he took off, left them, and John Coffey found them. So he's rocking back and forth in the field. And he's crying out to heaven. He's screaming. He's wailing in grief. 
and he's he's retelling the story to Tom Hanks. I'm not going to talk about Tom Hanks this show. Maybe another one. But so Tom Hanks, he's he's telling he's retelling the story, and he says it was a love, it was a love boss who used a love to kill him. And how did he do that? How did the demon use? Y'all need to read Screw Tape Letters for real. C.S. Lewis was over the target. How did that demon get them to be quiet and to not yell, to not fight for their little lives? Because he told the one, if you yell, I'm going to kill your sister. Ugh. And so she was quiet, and he killed him anyway. That same spirit is the Antichrist spirit that John speaks of in 1 John. When he says the Antichrist spirit that, it, that, that, that was is, is in, in the earth now, the one to come, and the spirit that's in the earth now. Antichrist is anti-love. He silences us from speaking the truth to lies because the truth will always prevail over a lie. If you believe the truth, if you have the truth down in your marrow. I'm not talking about dealing with facts here on this side of eternity and people manipulating stories and all of that. But I'm talking about, I thought that was really fascinating. I could not remember where that line came from. And today I was having fellowship with a friend of mine who actually took Lynn Wood's advice and the 21 steps that he put on his telegram. I need to repost that again. That's really good. Or I'll put it on my website for you. Maybe I'll do that tonight. Really good stuff. Just very simple pointers for you to actually do now that are nonviolent, you know, nothing, nothing other than, nothing than you, you know, maintaining your God-given, constitutionally protected authority over your own lives. Really simple stuff, but one of the steps in there was to fellowship in communities, to visit each other. If you feel like you need to wear a mask, wear the mask. But for you guys to be like Zooming everything is not fellowship. That is a digital lie. It is not the same, and you know it. For you not to hug somebody, I'm Southern. We hug, we touch everybody. We hug, we hug, we kiss. We, you know, I gotta watch that too, especially in business. But, but we—that's who we are. I'm German too. Are you kidding? And I'm Greek. What? Ugh. So I got it like triply bad. I'm Southern. I'm German. I'm Greek. We're like it's just like giant A for affection over my head. Um, and for some people, that's kind of off-putting. So you have to respect boundaries. But that's not what the world's telling us to do right now. The world is telling us to be afraid of each other. The world is telling us to fist bump or elbow bump or, you know, whatever. Wear two, five, 10, 15, 20 masks. You know, stand six feet apart. (laughs) That's what the world's telling us to do right now. See? See? See how that works? Policy. Law. Legislation, ridiculousness, demonics, and the spirit realm. It all works. I'm telling you. Maybe this is just supposed to be my international platform 
I don't know, but it absolutely works. It just does. It's, you cannot, they're not mutually exclusive. So don't let your love for each other kill you. I'm going to leave you with that. I'm going to let you figure that out. I don't even know what that looks like in your life. You speak truth to lies. If there's someone abusing you in your life and you love them, don't let that kill you. Get out. Get out and get healthy. And then look back on the why and the how. But get out. If you are part of a political, you know, ideology or pact or or you're being tempted to get sucked into the vacuum of some violent extremist organization right now because you feel so helpless and you love this country, don't let your love for this country and the fear that you're being fed right now cause you to kill your life or the life of others. It's very manipulative. I hope I'm making sense to you. It is extremely diabolical. Our love is used against us. Think about how many lies we've been asked to agree with, and we have. And it has come at our own national peril. I love you. I do. I do. You can't make me not. You know where to find me. I'm everywhere. Not to be confused with God. (laughs) I'm the voice that's everywhere, which is cool. I like it. I'm grateful. I love you. You know where to find me. Be good to your neighbor, beginning in your own mirror. And remember, if you're an American, act like one.